Hi, I'm Tim Marlowe, the Artistic Director of the Royal Academy of Arts in London. You're listening to a podcast from our events programme, recorded live in the new Benjamin West Lecture Theatre. Good afternoon and welcome to the Royal Academy of Arts. My name is Jessica Rutterford and I'm the Adult Learning Programmer here. I'm delighted today to introduce this event, Rose Wiley, in conversation with Francis Morris. So this event marks the beginning of our International Women's Day series titled Feminist Time, where we're presenting a programme of events that explore how artists, scholars and activists can interrogate the concept of time to overturn, challenge and reimagine existing narratives of art history and indeed contemporary art as well. The full programme is online, containing panel discussions, lectures, performance and tours, all relating to the theme. So do go online, sign up and join us for these events. So for today's event, Rose Wiley and Frances Morris will discuss Wiley's practice and career and examine how she's navigated an often male-dominated field, paving the way for women artists of the future. I'll leave it to Frances to introduce the brilliant Rose Wiley, but I'd like to give you a little background to Frances Morris, who became director of the Tate Modern in April 2016. Since joining the Tate in 1987 as a curator, she's reimagined the Tate's collection and has, been hand, and has been instrumental in developing its representation of women artists. Frances was jointly responsible for the initial presentation of the opening collection displays at Tate Modern in 2000, which radically transformed the way museums present the story of modern art. She's curated landmark exhibitions, including three major retrospectives of women artists in 2015. And Francis holds an MA in History of Art from Cambridge University and the Courtauld Institute of Art, and is an honorary fellow of King's College, Cambridge. So following the talk, we'll also have a short time for an audience Q&A. Please do keep to one succinct question per person to ensure that as many of you can ask a question as possible. Um, and we will have roaming mics being brought around, so do also wait for the mic to be brought to you. And a note that as a very special treat following this event, we will have a book signing from Rose Wiley in the personal shopping area downstairs, where we'll be selling her recently published monograph here, Rose Wiley by um, Clary Wallace. And without further ado, please do join me in welcoming Rose Wiley and Frances Morris. Well, good afternoon. I can't think of a nicer thing to do on a sunny afternoon than metaphorically have a studio visit to Rose Wiley's studio, but in your company. Um, I meant to introduce Rose, but I'm sure that I don't really need to introduce Rose. You are all here because you know almost everything about her. But as a reminder, um, Rose was born, she describes herself as, as blinking old, and that's because she was born in 1934. Well, it's true. <laughs> But, but she completed her MA at the Royal College in 1981, uh, age 47. And one of the things we'll be talking about is what she was doing between those two dates. But months before your 76th birthday, Germaine Greer described you as Britain's hottest new artist, Lovely. which I think is great. Uh, you won the Paul Hamlin Prize in 2011, the John Moores Prize in 2014. You became a Royal Academician. Uh, that same year and had a spotlight exhibition at Tate Britain, major show at the Serpentine in 2017, uh, and then at Malaga. You are the subject of a monograph just published, and it's brilliant and really, really great. Um, 
Alongside many plaudits, I trust you are proud that the late, legendary, and much lamented Brian Sewell once described your paintings as daubs worthy of a child of four. And I thought on that note, we might just go back to that childhood, and you might tell us a little bit about, I don't know, the era in which you were brought up, the circumstances. You were the youngest of seven children, and you've spoken about what it meant to be a girl at that time. So can you tell us a little bit about Rose Wiley? Rose yeah, Forrest okay. mm. Wiley, mm. age yeah. four. Yes, I've just told Francis that my middle name is Forrest, which um, I, I've dropped. I don't use it because it's too long and sort of Rose Wiley's <clears throat> shorter. But I do think Rose Forrest has a kind of nice... Generosity about it. It's not a rose garden. It's a rose. It's not a rose wood. It's, a, it's you know all rose wood is a name. Garden isn't. But anyway, <clears throat> I think being the youngest of seven. Can, can you hear? Yeah. Is it okay about seven? Being the youngest of seven is kind of rollicking good <clears throat> training for the world because one nobody listens to you. Two, nobody cares a fuck what you say. Um, um, your hierarchical position is very low. And in my case, my mother, who was Victorian, uh, boys came first, followed by age. So that put me right at the bottom since I was a girl in seventh. So I had, I had, it's quite good to have no place. Consequently, as you grow up and you are kind of marginalised somewhat in an art context, uh, you're used to it. And you have every, <coughs> you know, you're okay, you can, you can deal with it. You're not offended, you're not stopped, you're not uh, held up, it doesn't affect you. So I thought that was probably a good, <coughs> a good beginning. But sometimes that kind of marginalisation can make you feel, you know, tough or weak. But in your case, oh, yeah. it made you feel tough. Well, it did. I think it can be a very helpful trigger for getting on yourself with your own business and not caring what anyone else thinks. I agree it can. It's, it, it's, it's a borderline. I think it could too. So what was it about um, <laughs> art school that appeared for you, the thing you wanted to do? Was there art in your background, in your family? Um, not not really. My father, he, he was a civil engineer and didn't much have, have much more to do with music, but when it was music, it was usually sung and it was usually Gilbert and Sullivan and stuff for the Victorians. They were Victorians. My father was born in 1888, <coughs> I think, which is close to Picasso in time, so it gives you a feel about it. Uh, my mother, she was good on the piano and good at language, but they didn't, do, they didn't do art, and the paintings in the house were very Victorian and very conventional and very ordinary, and they had no place, no real place in their life, like they have a place in my life. I think painting should be in big in people's houses and take over and be dramatic, but they thought the opposite, that the painting should be very, very <clears throat> inconsequential, and that's what I grew up with. But did you, so was it early as a teenager that you began to think that visual culture was your thing? Um, I don't know. I, I ground, <clears throat> at the age of about four, I ground powder up 
In fact, I was interested to hear that Filida Barlow puts concrete wash on her sculpture, hmm. and I wondered whether she crushed concrete and poured in some sort of uh, water or some sort of solvent and then um, painted it on, or whether it was something that was put onto concrete to, to make it impervious. Anyway, so I'm interested in concrete wash, and I'm hoping that Philida is going to help me with that. <laughs> but I did collect bricks from buildings um, and pound them up and make powder, and this all have different uh, colours, and I was quite interested. So it's a bit... It links into Elenish mm. Kapoor, whatever you like to think yeah. of. Not necessarily women's makeup, which I've always found interesting, but never quite acceptable. But I think his piles of colour sort of linked into my crushed piles of... How extraordinary. So you powder. were collecting bricks and crushing them up. Were they, were they big bricks from bomb sites? or no, you know, often it? on the beach. Right. So they could have been, didn't yeah. matter. I wasn't picky. They could be, um, yeah. but I used to pound them up and make them into... I can't remember selling them, <coughs> selling the powder. So I don't think I sold the products. There was a correspondence between doing but not selling, because I think selling is a, a bother for painting. Mm. <coughs> so when you went to art school, yeah. you, were at, you must have been at art school. When were you there? You went to Folkestone and mm -hmm. Dover School of Art, did the N... DP from 52 to 56. Yes. So that's about, that's eight, that's about 10 years before Philida uh, um, yes, was, okay. I think, at the Slade. Talking yes. to Philida, she, she often evokes this incredibly sort of um, smoky, pipe-smoky, clubby, chappy atmosphere that, uh, of, the, of the teaching cohort there yes. and how extraordinary it was as a young woman to be kind of thrust into this very male domain. What was it like for you? Um, I was trying to think. I think the boys were called by their surnames, but I don't think the girls were. Certainly the model was always called the model. She, he, she often, usually, usually a female, was called model. Uh, yes. So at the end of a modelling thing, it would be thank you, model. <clears throat> Certainly not a name. And I don't think, I can't remember what I was called, but <clears throat> interestingly enough, uh, all the sort of what you call the main subjects, painting and sculpture, even graphics, all done by men and only men. And the only two women <clears throat> on the staff, one did fashion, Mm -hmm. And the other did textile. Right. And they were presumably, they weren't the hot topics, they were secondary subjects. Well, they, they wouldn't have, that was not allowed as an idea, but in fact, yes, that would have existed. Yes, yes. yes. But yeah. you did do text, you did painting and textiles, is I that did, right? Yeah, I did painting main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so at that time, who, so what was the, what was the sort of, um, you know, what was the, that, that moment in time, just after the uh, Second World War, sort of Bomberg School, kitchen sink, Bomberg rather dreary. didn't come into it. There yeah. was no mention of Bomberg <clears throat> at the art school I was at. It was Graham Sutherland, John Piper, Caxton, right. you know, right. the English school. Yeah. Um, Palmer, um, Gill, it wouldn't matter. And then... If you were being really dizzy, it was French. It was leger, and it right. was 
So leisure was dizzy. I was going to say Picasso. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. You'll say yes, mate. He's Spanish. Try yeah. to get your facts together. But right. he came into the school of Paris. It was Picasso, Matisse. Um, who else would it be? That would be Delaunay. Would be Lesser. But it was definitely like that. And certainly no women. And no women. So you couldn't have. There were no women in your, in women your history. Or they didn't exist. So what did that feel like being a trained to be an artist it in a context where there were no normal, role models? Because that was what was the case. But did you have any sense and ambition that you could be the first woman? I mean, was it? Were you driven, or did <laughs> no, you I just think? Thought, I just thought. I remember looking at a thistle and thinking, "What would you have to do <clears throat> if you made a painting or a drawing of this?" Thistle, what would you have to do to make it great? Right. So obviously one had this kind of ambition to do something which was connected to quality or history or yeah. great. Yeah. But it was all around, it was the men that were doing. So you never this. made, gender didn't present a, gender was just a fact, it didn't present a barrier to your ambition. Mm, no, because you see I'd had it from childhood. It was right. all, always a barrier. Yeah. I think... I think that's the whole thing. Uh, outside is a barrier, and inside is, well, that's got a load of barriers. Those are the worst barriers, but, you know, life's a heap of barriers, I think. Life's a heap of barriers. You leap over them, well, scissor-like. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Were there, well, I mean, were, were there any particular barriers that you remember that you did leap over at that time? Um, or did you just sail through? One of the things was I hated public speaking. And I, 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 she still does. I still hate it. You're I'm doing just, all right. It just frightens me. Right. But um, <clears throat> that was a barrier. Yeah. Anything to do with public was a barrier. Yes. Um, painting, that's a different thing altogether, and that's full of them. So and It's interesting. I, I, I can't recall ever seeing images of your early work. There no. is a, you, you did an interview with Alison Gingerass in your Malaga catalogue and she asked you to describe your subjects then and you said you described them as portraits, A4 size, leaves from the garden, birds, a well-cooked omelette on a decorated plate, an actress with an axe and forget-me-nots. Very vivid images. I'd love to have seen the actress with an axe. Oh, it's a smashing painting. Smashing painting. Have you still got it? Yes. Never been seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we it's, have the subject of your first major retrospective it's, here. It's in the garage, unlocked. Can I come and look at it? And it's got open door slightly on one overlooking the street and a badly fitting door looking at the gut. It's beautifully, oh, and what's the word, the temperature's just mm. right. Mm. And it, yes, I'm, it has a forget-me-not on it and mm. a snake. Mm. Um, and it was a slightly well-known actress at the time in the 50s. I can't remember her name, but she was not a glamour girl. Right. She was quite good and she had a right. good face. Yeah. Yes, I've still got it. But you were a glamour girl. Um, what do you mean? Well, you were... <laughs> Maybe not a conventional glamour girl, but in '56 you were an aero girl. Oh well, yeah. But I, the reason that ever came up was because my daughter Bunny Kins, who's sitting can, can over you, there. Can you maybe you could just tell she, our um, um, audience what an aero girl was? Oh, it's an aero girl. <clears throat> yes, are uh, fifty. 
1955, perhaps go back to 1955 or imagine 1955, and um, Cadbury's chocolates. Roundtree. Is it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> detail. Definitely Roundtree, just a detail. Detail. Um, anyway, cho chocolates. Chocolate manufacturer um, wanted a, a current girl, I think, I don't know, to advertise chocolates which were all about um, the end of rationing and you know, everything that went with it, give a box of chocolates, romance, everything about it. And they wanted to <clears throat> organise some artists to sort of scout around England and find a model to, to paint. Um, and I was, I was doing some modelling for John Ward, and I don't know whether anyone knows John Ward. He was a, um, well, he, he was an interesting figure because he was a, he was a kind of society portrait painter, and he did illustrations for Vogue, very sensitive illustrations. Hmm. And he came down and bought a house in Folkestone on the knees, and the art schools were excited because he had glamour, he had aura, he had London, he had well, RA, he had... Uh, anyway, so he immediately became a governor, and he tooled around, and he did ask me if I would model, pose, whatever you want to call it, for paintings that he was doing. My mother thought this could be a bit sleazy, so she, she sort of did a bit of probing, and mm. she found out that John Ward was okay. <clears throat> He was the governor, and he wasn't going to seduce her child. Um, I think I was about 18. <clears throat> um, John Ward had this rather good house. It had aura. It was very nice on the knees. Beautiful windows overlooking France. Uh, glamorous friends. And anyway, <clears throat> um, an artist friend of his called Anthony de Vass came to tea, and he said to John Ward, can I use your model? So... That's how it came about. So you were the model that was, was used, as it were. I was the yes. model for chocks. Yes. Chocks. Yeah. <laughs> so you were sweet. I really don't like the painting <laughs> Good enough to at eat. all. I yes. didn't want it in... There no. uh, there's a book here. I yeah. didn't want it in the book. I thought it took up a valuable couple, a page, or at least or maybe two pages. Yeah. Uh, but that does that suggest that you felt awkward about the context in which you were... Well, sitting. I just didn't like the picture. Right, so it wasn't about it wasn't not like wanting to be a chocolate. It gave the wrong image. Not in my chocolates, it gave the wrong image. It looks... I don't, I don't like anything about it. Yes. However... There it is. There it is. So after that, there is a period in which you, you left school, you, were, you did teaching, you did quite a lot of teaching, mm -hmm. and you got married to a fellow student. I got... Yes, I got married... Oh, as I left Goldsmiths, I got married... I did a bit of teaching afterwards. Yeah. And then you went to Canada briefly, mm -hmm. had three children in quick succession, mm -hmm. and effectively stopped, or the, 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 the story is you stopped painting, or you stopped... That is the story. Yes. That's actually what happened. True. I did stop. And did you, <laughs> did you stop in dribs and drabs, or did you just... No, I just stopped. You just stopped. Yeah, so I, in a sense, I, apart from being a student, I, rev I, I didn't really start until... You know, when I, when I went to the Royal College and then I became obsessively yes. into it. It's so in, I was at um, Cambridge in the 
70s, mm. end of the 70s, and I was uh, at King's with a um, very nice chap called Luke John. <laughs> and I, one of the things that I thought was interesting about Luke John is that he had a famous father called Roy Oxley. Exactly, he had a parent of father. And I never occurred to me that he even had a mother. A mother, no. And there you, you are. You think he'd sprung out like <laughs> Venus from his father's it, forehead. It's just, it's just interesting to reflect that at that very same time, you, at that, as I was in Cambridge, you were at the RCA. And so there exactly. was... We were the three degrees, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Him, me, and Roy was doing his PhD and everything. No, that's right, he didn't have a mother. Yes. You just right. had a sort of quite right scholarship. Sense <laughs> you were quite right to sense yeah. it. But so that's, that's it, it, it's, it's... And the funny thing with Francis yes. was that I schooled him for his Cambridge entrance. Right. His father did not. No. So, interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> what can I say? I mean, one thing that's very apparent um, is that... You, and I don't know what you did at school or through all those years, apart from being a brilliant mother, I'm sure. But, you know, you obviously went on learning and absorbing and have this huge knowledge of literature and film and culture. And I know you often toss it away and say you're not very good with well, dates or whatever. Yes. Or did, did it all come later? I don't know. I mean, you don't know as a mother, you don't know what... I don't know. Yeah, but were you kind of voraciously reading 19th century French literature after the children had gone to bed and rushing out to the cinema, or were you just, uh, you know? <laughs> Wonderful. It was so good. I'd love to hear it. Yes, well, maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, it is, it's very unusual that... I always think that artists are, are kind of born with a, and propelled with a obsession and that's what drives them and it's impossible for them to do anything else and you know young people who ask me should I go to art school I say well if you're asking that question maybe you shouldn't but you had this gap and then your obsession appears to come later but were you as a mother obsessed and knowing that you were going to come back to the studio probably well Probably. Yes, okay. And I think the whole thing was that looking after children actually it does involve a lot of creativity and yep. flexibility and uh, all of those things. Interruption, it's good. It's, it's also, it's a good... And you don't get stale. Yep. You know, you've been looking and observing, reading, looking in the debate, but not actually doing it. And then suddenly you do it. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? I have never thought about it like that, but it is a sort of collage of experience being a parent, isn't it? Because you're leaping from activity to activity and from kind of high, low, and conversations with adults and friends and, and then your children. It's a, that kind of multiplicity of tasks which makes women so often ad adept. But, yes. but you can kind of see some of that coming through in your, in your paintings later. Yes, in a way. I do, yes. So was it extraordinary to go back and, and incredibly exhilarating to suddenly be liberated? Well, I think the whole thing about... I think the painting thing is that you put it off when you're... I don't know, I'm, I'm driven, but I've also put it off. So I fiddle about, um, and then you come to do it, and that's full of decision-making and bother. And then when it's finished, you're exhilarated. And so to come yes. back to your word then, when the work is finished, uh, you do float, you're exhilarated. You get a credible but then you have to start again. It's like Sisyphus yes. and the yes. and the boulder. You know, yes, I, I, I interviewed a, a lovely um, 
Polish artist um, at the end of last year who said who had trained as a high jumper as mm. a student, and he said being a painter is just like an artist is just like being a high jumper. You always fail. You have the exhilaration, yes. but you always come back to even again. almost half. Well, you're, first of all, you're not quite ever sure when it's finished, but when you when it stops irritating you and you think you can leave it alone, I think that's when it's finished. You don't, yes, you're not impelled to change, so that's finished. Right. Um, when we, we're going to, we're Arlota, you, you might feel completely depressed again. I'm not, depressed isn't quite the right word. You haven't got the exhilaration right. that you have when you think you've finished. And then you so did that pattern of exhilaration and you know, coming down to earth, was that something that you connected with at the RCA for the first time, coming back as a student, engaging with painting after a gap of 20 years, was that how it felt? Something that you were propelled to do, but would involve this sort of emotional roller coaster? Dunno. Dunno, did you say? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> okay. okay, let me ask you another question about no. college. Um, <laughs> You went back to college at the end of the 1970s. Mm. So this is the end of the first decade of kind of radical feminism. Yes. Yes, I can see what you're going to say now. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, was that a... What I is, don't know quite what you're going to say. Well, was that a context that, that you... Was relevant or... Was it present at all for you? I don't think it was. I have, I've never been a militant active feminist. I've certainly had opposition, well, not even opposition, but um, slight dismissal from male artists I know, which makes me gal get galvanised and get myself together even more. So, yep. in fact, instead of depressing you, it, it in fact is a trigger for you to go on. Yep. So, um, the, the people who are doing it should perhaps reconsider doing it because it has the reverse effect of yep. what where, where they are trying to yes. position yeah. you or me, or me in this case. <clears throat> so, um, I think it didn't really come into it. The, the whole business was about make a painting which has something about it at some point, which is if I can rephrase, some paintings seem to me to be pointless, or mm. when I make them, I think, yeah, has this got a point? <clears throat> You've got to try to make a point, a painting which has quality, and quality is not a good word at the moment. Well, it's not a fashionable word. I think it's a key word, but it's not fashionable, because you don't know what quality is. Yeah. So it's a very difficult word. You can't, you can't, you can't turn it down. I mean, for, I think for many contexts, the money involved with the painting gives it quality, but in fact it doesn't, because yep. the painting, it's a, it's a false the painting is itself irrespective, and it does not depend on how much the price tag is going for it. Okay. Although well-known painting does, and good painting does have a high... It's all very complicated, and... As I say things, I wish I, you know, I, I conflict myself as I see them. So, hmm. so you said anyway, you, oh. we, we looked at this painting <laughs> last week. This is, oh, we did, yes, yes. And I'm going to give you this little lasery thing, so that you can point to stuff. But we, we, you, you, you were happy with this painting, I think. Um, 
This is quality. Can I point, do I point here or there? You point there. I if you want to point. You don't have to yeah. point. Um, I think it was, it's interesting to begin with these paintings because well, they relate to that period that we've just been talking yes, about. Yes, it it's got the date on it with a question mark because I'm not quite sure. I'm a bit hazy about dates anyway. And, um, <clears throat> so I wasn't quite sure whether the bathing costume was 55 or 56. But I decided that um, quite often I've painted tennis players or um, known football players or etc. in paintings. And then I got to a position where I thought, why am I painting Henman and why am I painting um, <coughs> Serena Williams? Why am I painting Venus Williams? I could be painting myself. And I went recently, I've painted myself playing tennis. And I decided to go back, because I, <clears throat> I do use diary as a, mm -hmm. a D-A-I-R-Y, not diary, but diary. Difficult word, isn't it? Diary and diary. Yes. I use di diary. Diary. <laughs> not diary. No. As, um, <clears throat> as a, something to work with. I think for painting, you've got to have something to work with. And you, it's got to be real, and it's better if it's not manufactured. And my life is real for me, um, so I delve into it. So um, when you say diary, you're talking about your diaries from this period? Yes. And you well, kept a diary. Well, my life going back, using yeah. my life. Yeah. So yes. I'm making diary paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Memory paintings Which might be another word. Which are also history paintings. Yes. Because yes. the diary and the history merge. Yeah. Sometimes it's public as with the war and the blitz, and sometimes it's private, as with my, what I wore. Anyway, so I went back to a subject, which is what I wore, and I did a series of small barrow drawings in a, in a little book about that size, that sort of size, and then decided to paint them out. Um, you know, paint out is a funny term, but yes. to use them yes. to make a painting. And um, also, you can start to fall into the trap. I think it's a bit of a trap sometimes of doing legs in a particular way. <clears throat> I like legs. We've had conversations about trousers and skirts and legs and so on. I like the way legs stick out of skirts mm. and the way skirts blow up. And, yes. You know, move. Yeah. Skirts are flexible and legs. <clears throat> um, and this is a bathing costume I wore in 1956, but it's not my shape or my face, so it's not me. Like Gormley uses himself, um, I've used my clothes, so I've removed rather. And are these the legs that you would like to have had? Um, these, no, um, no, that's interesting because they weren't, my legs weren't no. quite like that. But on, you, the right, yes. on the right hand side here, wait a minute, oh, this bit here. Um, I had the leg coming out a lot more, so which is why I put this little this lump here. Yeah. I stuck a lump of <coughs> canvas on it, and I it was dry and ready to exhibit, and it had to, has to go off in a van. So I thought, well, I won't, um, I won't stick a whole lot of fresh white paint on it. I'll just try a bit on a bit of canvas and stick it on, and then I've left it because I thought it was it, it was better. But I've reduced the thighs. And the fact that the ankles are quite small, I think 
accentuates the size of the thighs. And I think the woman has a woman quality, like, um, you know, Venus of Milo or something like that. Um, so it's not my face, it's not my, it's not my legs, but the scene, the landscape is high <coughs> where I lived. And <coughs> uh, so just, the, big, just the big black blob is a breakwater. Well, sorry okay, for so I, no, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. First of all, um, uh, the putting on of the canvas sort of um, over what you might have described as a mistake or you weren't oh. happy with that thigh. So oh. that, that, that's, a, that's a technique that you frequently employ. I think it's interesting because it opens up a possibility. You can do that or that. I mean, if you're writing, you can leave the writing and insert, but in the painting, it's, once you cover it, it's gone and it might have been better before and you wish you hadn't done it. So, um, and there's no going back on that. So you can't go back, but if no. you stick a bit on, then you're left with a decision about which one to. But that's a sort of sense of, sort of the visibility of the process is rather interesting. It, there. Is a, it, it becomes a process, and the whole decision of whether to leave it. Um, and anyway, I like the bit of material stuck on it. I like, I like additions and. Because um, there do seem to be in this painting uh, one or two other additions or things like the. What is that? You know, obviously, like shoulders, this black line. Yes. Is that added on after as a sort of result of you not being terribly happy with that lumpy shoulder? Yes, there was a. She was a bit stodgy, I thought. Um, so she, she was sitting around for about five weeks, and I looked at her and I thought she was completely dry and finished, photographed and ready to go. I thought I would reduce her shoulder, but I didn't do patch up there, I did a line which was much more risky because the black, it would have leaked onto the yellow, it would have gone green, it would have been a huge nuisance. So that was risky. But then, in fact, the line links with the writing. I thought the line, and then the black line, which defines her body, I put on as well. I added that. It was, I quite like a risk, but it often has bad consequences. That's the, that's <laughs> and what, the fun of it. Do you want what, what happens when you decide that... It is a mistake, and it's yes. gone wrong. I mean, well, you, it's just rubbish. You've got to do the whole thing and again. And you chuck it away? Or? I don't know. I work on it. Right. So you don't think... This I is don't, sorry, sorry. I don't like waste. Yes. Well, I hate waste. Yeah. So at what point, how do you know when it's finished? Um, well, because you look at it, and it no longer... You think, I can leave it. Yeah. There's nothing completely wrong with it. The foot was a, interesting. Um, I did... I repainted quite a lot of it, but the <clears throat> the black line that Francis that you just mentioned went on right at the end. You yeah. talked just a few minutes ago about the sort of moods involved in painting. Uh, are you very happy? You know, when it's finished, that's a high. And you know, what are the moods um, you go through as well, you're I painting? Think that the bottom of it was thick and heaving and mixed and sort of dirty the paint and <coughs> worked into. And the top part of it, the face, is very much more like a Japanese woodprint or something, yeah. which I quite like that combination yeah. in it. And this has got the costume, so I left it. But um, I wondered about an outline. If you go to the next one, next one I, I put an outline. I've got the same legs, well, more or less, thighs. Um, and I put it... The, the one just before didn't have an outline around it, and I often wonder about 
outlines makes the work more primitive, it makes it more um, <coughs> certain. This is the kind of, you're not sort of fumbling around. Mm. You make a certain statement with an outline, and it can often go hopelessly wrong when you put them. So did, is this painting, um, in terms of the time frame of painting, you've got three or four canvases in your studio. Yes. And you're working on all of them at the same time, or one after um, the other? One after the other, usually, but then yeah. going back to one, so you yeah. could call it all at right. the same time. Right, so your time, sort of one I, is a commentary on the other. Yes, and then you put it away yeah. and you can leave it. Um, yes, and this one came second because uh, I got the outline on it, and you can see that the legs have shrunk a bit. And I added birds. Uh, I like birds. And I've called it, I think, yellow bearing costume with six birds because I... The black blob on the, the black thing on the left is a bird's tail and it has a wing. It's my photography. There's a little bit more wing actually in the real photograph, in the painting. That little <coughs> black V shape just above the tail is the wing coming back of the bird. And I've called it with six birds as the audience and, and when you, when, knows that this, that's a bird. When you're, paint, when you're painting this, you, uh, at Rose's house, she has a, you have your painting studio, then almost next door, across a little corridor, is a, a, a large computer and where yes. you bring up lots and lots of images yes. that you take frequently from drawings and paintings and other sources. Yes. So that feels like a sort of a, a place where you go and take reference to other images that then come back into the paintings. Yes, kind of, but often I look at the image of the painting I've just done and see it in a new context. Right. So instead of being in my studio, it's in a neat surrounding with a black right. line around it. Yeah. And rather well lit often on the computer. Yes. Um, and then I can decide from then whether to go back and change it. But also um, I can get the colour right in right. the computer image because I can go back it's yeah. very close as yeah. you say and look at the painting and, and get, get it to correspond so yeah. it's usually quite close yes. in colour I mean it's interesting because I when you talk about the painting it's, it's with such certainty that something is right or something is wrong and is that just a sort of instinctual thing I think, yes, you just look at it and you have a reaction that's right. got to change. Or It's got to change. And you couldn't yeah. articulate why it's got to no, change. No, I'm not sure why. Yeah. And that's why it can go wrong, because actually yes. doesn't, didn't need you know, it. You like blobs, but you don't like blemishes. You like yes. ducks, but you don't like people. Well, I don't like it's... affectation either, because I yeah. don't like blobs and things being put on... Deliberately. Um, ...because you feel that's a way of working. Yeah. I think I like them to be um, accidental or part of how... You know, the, the, the need of, of that particular painting. Yeah. I loved that painting. And we talked about Malievich. Yes. 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 So how did... This is so the reference to, obviously, the black square. Yes. Was that a reference that is, is incidental because you were using black and you just suddenly thought black square? Um, I think I thought I needed a bit of black. I think... Yeah. Um, Why did you need a bit so, of black? Well, because... You can get too much of one thing, and you can think, well, you know, what, why is it always on canvas? And, and I like contrast. Mm -hmm. So if I've done a lot of paintings on canvas, which for me refer to the Bayer tapestry or painting on a wall or continuous 
this continuation. <coughs> a black does isolate. Well, here it does, and I've put a yellow frame around it, which is very crisp, because black and yellow are very different. Um, so I'm not sure quite why I did it, really, except for <coughs> a difference from the two I'd done before. Yeah. But I've kept yellow and black going, which right. is a formal, a formal, very traditional thing to work with, you know, contrasts yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I wanted to ask you in relation to that, how far do you see your practice as part of a uh, continuum of painting, a history of completely. painting? Yeah. I yeah. just think, you know, there are various changes like modernism or whatever. Yeah. Lovely, I mean, I love it. Yeah. I like changes and I just think that people have always painted things. Um, I don't, well, I, I use a camera, but I don't use a camera. I don't do photography, but... You know, but I could, could do. I have no objection to that. And do you see yourself as a painter at a particular moment in time, or do you? Uh, the 20th century thing about yes. modernism is so much being driven yes, by artists sort of contributing to a kind of. Yeah, new I think thinking. it should be now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do think that. But I don't it, think it's so good trying to paint like School of Paris or. But it feels like an amazing moment now when the whole of the history of art is up for grabs in terms of yes. what you can take from it. Yes. It's a very sort of liberated moment for painting. It's very open and liberating yeah. at the same time, very yeah. difficult to handle because yeah. it's so open. Yes. Doesn't that make you, isn't your just head full of stuff that yes. anything is possible? Well, that's always a bother. Yeah. Yes. How do you deal with that? Um, I don't know, you suddenly think of something and you... You do it, and then you keep on doing it until you've done it or done something which is reasonably satisfactory yeah. and move on to something else, like a film or... Mm -hmm. um, let me see, what am I doing next? I don't know. I mean, football, football, anything. Yeah. So these are two paintings. Are, yes, they all are. Do you want to say a little bit about the, 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 the black frock? Um, the black frock I bought when I was a child... Uh, sorry, not a child, about 17, 18. Um, I'd worked for a summer and spent the money on this frock. It was off the shoulder. It was, it was a great frock, and the thing is I never wore it, which was another thing, but I have now put it into a picture. So <laughs> nothing is wasted. Seems terribly sad it's a bit that you goya. never wore it. I mean, mm. isn't it a frock for a cocktail party? Well, it's a sort of dance frock. Right. I don't know, it's frock. <laughs> I didn't go in for dancing. Post-marriage, I didn't do dancing. So this, was a, this is a frock that represented everything you gave up when you got married, maybe. That's it. Yeah? It could have been different, your life. A, a, a big painting was... Yeah. stands for a big moment in my... When the, I, I don't know what happened to the frock, but... Um, the, the black reminds me of Spanish right. and Mexican painting and the whole model, because it isn't me again. Right. And actually, it's not quite like a frock, because the frock comes in at the bottom. <clears throat> um, but it's the Spanish-Mexican uh, connection. But I like um, marginalised cultures mm. more than I like the kind of English traditional, you know, Corby. <clears throat> That's interesting. Why were you always drawn to marginalised cultures? Um, like you were drawn know. to bricks on the beach? I just don't know why it's come about. I, just, I like primitive. Yes. But you also like High Street. I love and high you street. like Hollywood. I love high street. And you like Disney. Like what? Disney. What's that word? Disney. Disney. Yeah. Thank you. Disney. <laughs> I do. I love film. I like. Yeah. I like. I like a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like. 
I don't know, I don't like sleaze. I think these aren't sleazy. They're just, I mean, I've done corsets. There's a corset on the right. Uh, yeah, that's nice. We could linger on this one a bit. I think a lot of people find this rather a favourite. Um, it is a corset. And corsets, you could say, is a symbol of restriction, but in fact, uh, I see this as a seduction, not restriction. It was a very nice item. And because I was doing these things, what I wore, I did the corset. And it was simply something to keep your stockings up. Do you regret the demise of the corset? Um, no, I think Madonna used it very well. But really, you're a huge really fan of Madonna's, of I course. Yeah. But I think putting it on the outside, doing the kind of Magritte, Hegelian swap inside yes. to outside was a good idea. And I think oh, one could well wear this down the high street. It would be... I dare you. <laughs> well, I don't know where it is, it's lost, but um, a, f a friend of mine has recently said, oh, <clears throat> she's pretty, she's so pretty. <clears throat> Take it or leave it. <laughs> I'm conscious that the clock is ticking and we've got so many images. Shall I just yes, flick click you. on? The, the, there it is again, yeah. that's more like corset. Just flick on. Can I just ask you a question about drawing? Because I, well, maybe I want to come back to that quote from... Um, uh, Brian Sewell, because there is this, um, con I'm very conscious in your work, there's a sort of, um, there's a kind of crudeness about some of the depictions of your figures and a, and a simplicity and a heavy outline. And, yeah, but it's but, not slosh and bucket like he said. It's not slosh and bucket. It's but, not slosh. <laughs> but I also know that you do occasionally do sort of what we would call realistic drawing. But yes. there's a limitation there, isn't there, for you? Uh, yes, it's got to be... If it's sort of tight-assed academic, I don't like it. Right. But if it's, it has to be... Um, I don't know what it is. It has to have the quality. And yep. I think if it's too close, yep. it's what Coleridge calls waxwork. And I'm not interested because I like the transformation. I like something to happen. And if you can see... Uh, that's if you use a known person like Venus Williams um, or Rooney or something, people can see what they can see the transformation. Whereas in this case, you can't tell because it could be anyone. But what is interesting about this drawing, I think, for people who may not be familiar with your drawings, is that that kind of collage is taking place even in a small-scale drawing. Yes, it does. That it matters to you, even on a small bit of paper. If it's wrong. That, it, that it's got, you've got to get it right. Yes, yeah. I mean, interestingly, the first time I went to see the Picasso Museum in Malaga, I was, where I think it was a collection that, stuff that was in Picasso's studio when he died, it was a kind of revelation to me that Picasso made really bad drawings. And in his case, there were just drawings that he did and he didn't, he just went on to the next drawing. But what's interesting about your drawing is that you care about every single drawing that well, has got to get called right. bad drawing. It's listed in the bad drawing uh, category. Or, right. you know, what yeah. is good drawing and what is bad drawing? It begs the question. So, I don't know. Anyway... So these draw you do lots of drawing. When yeah. you did these drawings, or when you do your drawings, are you doing them with painting in mind? No. Or just for, because that's no. something that you want to draw? No, they are drawings absolutely in their own right. And I make paintings from what I think so I can work were on. these drawings made days or weeks before the paintings, no. or are they something you explored earlier? Uh, a few weeks before. Yeah. Not, not years. 
So could you, do you have drawings that you're doing, you've done recently, that you may or may not go on to make a series? Yes. Okay, so that's like a sort of, yes. that's that diaristic thing. That one's a sort of slightly prettier one. The same, I'm still, uh, the exploration of the legs. I think legs, as I've said, are interesting. And I think uh, the more different shaped legs they are, you know, the more fun stuff is. And I don't think there should be any conventional idea that there is a stereotype of glamour or whatever it is for particular legs and that you've got to have legs that look in a certain way <clears throat> before you can show them. I think that's mm -hmm. a kind of rubbishy outlook and I think it's, 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 it, it, you know, it depresses what could happen you know, mm. and people should enjoy different shapes and I think they've got quite slightly funny shaped legs. Are you interested in male legs? Uh, yes, fine. So footballers? Okay. Yeah. Fine, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's That's not a sort of gender thing. It's no, not no, uniforms love, for boys I and I legs love for girls. Men's legs. No, yeah. fine. <laughs> we all love men's legs. Now she's great. Oh, she's 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 her. She's her. Yes, yes. Uh, she's the yellow bathing costume. Um, yes, again, we've talked about that one. And I'm just going to. That's, these are the drawings that uh, yeah. triggered those paintings. What I want to get to. That's slightly more like me, that one. That's like you, because you had satin more. shoes and white kid gloves. I did I'd have, love to have seen it. Them, not, <laughs> not that I wore them much. I used to do a ton of housework and stuff. I was very um, good at the sink. So I wanted you to say a little bit about this, the Snow White series, um, um, which you began last year, because, of course, Snow White was a film the Disney film that I think came out in 37. Yes. So you must have seen that film as a very small child. I think yeah. I was four. Yeah. Uh, I, went, I remember going with my mother and I had to be taken out screaming because um, I found the witch, the stepmother, too much being when she was chasing Snow White, that seemed to be... Someone said to me, you weren't scared about the war when there were bombs dropping, but you were scared about something on the screen. But then it was nearer home because... Um, you know, a girl running through a wood with a, a stepmother was nearer home than kind of war, which was quite near, but not near. <clears throat> so, uh, yes, but I've lo I loved... Um, I can, I, the close-ups in the Disney films yes. I like. Yeah. Also, I like the colouring of, of yeah. the contrast. I've always yeah. I've said, I think earlier, I like contrast. But, and film has always been important to you as a source yes. of imagery. Uh, yes, I think they are, there's something more <clears throat> intimate than theatre because the camera can get close. Yes. And so you can whisper and you, can, you can't, you don't have to project so much, you know, in the whole film thing as you do in theatre. And I rather like that. I like close-ups. And also um, the flick of the camera from one scene to another, and the so drama, the, the and the interruption, and the, the cutting, the whole collaging. thing of cutting, yeah. and yeah. and re yes, collaging and putting together, and that can be quite useful. <clears throat> but the, the, these paintings seem to reference the sort of sense of domesticity and the female um, yes. homemaker role rather explicitly. And I just want, in in relation to the, the, these events at the Royal Academy this week, wondered whether you could comment on that. Yes, well, the whole idea of someday my prince will come, yes. I find um, 
well, I just, I think it's ludicrous. Well, I think, really, you should be thinking someday I'm going to be what you want to be, you know. You, want you, to you be mean, a, so Roy wasn't your prince? Uh, well, yes, of course he was. Well, you got your prince. He, absolutely, yes, but she, I wasn't yearning for release from drudgery through the prince, which is vicarious. Right. I think I should have been, I was, hoping for, you know, a show at MoMA, a show at Tate Modern, a show at... Pompidou. <laughs> this, this, is a, this, is, this is the sort of thing you're wishing for, not that your prince will come right. and release you, which seems to be a very dodgy uh, way to conduct your life. And I much prefer that you look for your own escape rather than through somebody else, which is full of disaster if you look somebody else. So, uh, and this one, it's <clears throat> well, there was that point, and there's one that's called Happy Housewife Song, I think. Is it? Oh, yes, Happy Housewife picture. Oh, one. yes, isn't that fantastic? Um, um, <clears throat> so were you, mean, a happy, the, were you a happy housewife? Yes, I was you okay. Were. I mean, I wasn't... I wasn't angry. Right. I don't like... <laughs> I do not like housework, and I... I'm actually good at it, but I don't because I'm quite thorough when I get to it. Yeah. But I don't like it, and I think most of it's a waste of time. And I think most people do too much, and I think there's too much emphasis on how neat your garden is and how completely projected you are in your house. You know. Yeah. I just, anyway, this one, you see the blobs. Have you got your little dot? Yes. Those blobby things. Those, those balloon type. I'm balloon. looking for a blob. Up above, yeah, those. Oh, these blobs, those, yes. Those are conversation... Um, bubbles. Bubbles. Yeah. And I was going to put not a dwarf in sight. Right. I was going yes. to put clean duster. But I know dwarfs... You can't use the word anymore. No. And also I know that Snow White is banned from the curriculum. Right. And I know that everything is not uh, politically correct. And I thought the painting is so very politically correct. Right. <clears throat> incorrect in itself, that I would not put the Fantastic. text yes. in it. But it was the clean duster. Duster busters. on the duster. Yeah. Um, Are there any artists in particular that you would cite as influences? Um, Probably about a thousand. Yes, they're always just... Or no, influence is difficult. I or think we, sympathy. Yes, we I talked about it, Guston. Sympathy is yep. better. Some, some, some artists you recognise there is something there going on which you can feed from, learn from, uh, work with, whatever. Um, but I didn't, what slightly worries me, when does that become an influence? Does influence mean you kind of copy them? Because I can't think that I go around copying. I don't think you copy, uh, but, but I think there is, I, I, I mean, think, I think there's an old-fashioned idea that artists shouldn't be influenced by other artists, but oh. I think it's absolutely We're fine to be captivated all the time, all the time by everything. everything. Everything, but I mean, stuff, yes. buildings influence yeah. you, yeah. Uh, people, what people say, what, anything. So, um, I mean, certainly artists I like, does that come into the question? Yes. Uh, artists would be you like. Guston. I'm, I'm very... I've been terribly um, intrigued with Lloyd Guston because I think if he hadn't gone from his middle kind of time of abstraction into the kind of figuration that he went into, he wouldn't have been, from my point of view, anything like so huge, great an artist because I think he's a very 
are important artists, but it's the, it's the late figuration which I find yeah. so exciting, and it would have been so uh, difficult for him to do that since it was betraying um, the, the kind of work that was being done at the time in which he was very... <coughs> so that break in his well, career was, was so break, brave and huge, radical, isn't it? Very radical and hugely brave because he was hated for it. If you made a huge and radical break in your work now, where would you go? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. I might, I might try um, getting a photograph of a small drawing and blowing it up to an immense size and getting someone else to paint it in. Nice, nice yeah, idea. Sounds a good idea. Yeah. We, we, did, we, did have, we did have one thought about... There was something you thought you might want to share with our audience. Oh, recitals. Yeah. Can you do uh, that? Oh, yes. We wanted, to, we wanted to end with a, a poem. A recital. So I was flicking around on the computer, and um, I have said that I like... Well, I may not have said, but in a sense, I do... The, business about getting more visibility as an artist is that I'm more included in things. And this jingle that I found on the computer, I would I'm glad that I'm not included in it. And it goes like this. <clears throat> All a row oh yes, it's a march. It's a marching game for very young children. That's the, that was the description on the sheet of paper. So the, the poem goes. Uh, You've forgotten it. I've forgotten. Give me one second. <clears throat> yeah, all all a rose, a bendy bows, shoot a pigeon, kill a crow, shoot another, kill his brother, shoot again kill a run, and that all do for gentlemen. Which is why we're so happy to be I'm happy ladies. not to be in that context, <laughs> yeah. ladies. Well, I think that's a, a wonderful place to finish, and we could go on all afternoon. No, Other than that, true, I do I'm want to say lady. thank you very much to Francis and Rose for today's event. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this recording, feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>